Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Jersey Shore Racing Scene. I am your host, Mike Bolello. We are almost exclusively a podcast about local short track racing. Today, we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk some NASCAR. No, we're not going to get into silly season rumors and all that kind of stuff. Couple things that I think are applicable to local short track racing. Also, uh, things that short track racing fans might be interested in. Uh, two items that we're going to talk about today is the length of the NASCAR season. Uh, Chase Elliott had made some comments uh, a little while back, and uh, it's been in the news that he feels that the NASCAR season should be shorter, uh, maybe just as many races, but not over as many weeks, which I think is a really interesting comment coming from the standard bearer and the pretty much the face of NASCAR, most popular driver for the last couple of years, championship driver. So I'm interested to see what you guys think about that. Uh, definitely an interesting topic, as, as I tend to agree a lot with everything, not everything that he says, but a, a lot of what he said. Uh, the other topic I'd like to discuss is a charter system, giving a little bit of a tutorial on how the charter system began, what the origins are, why there is a charter system, and what NASCAR is hoping to accomplish and what the car owners are hoping to accomplish as well. So we're going to jump right in. Uh, those two topics uh, will give us a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of a different change of pace from our, our normal show. So starting off with the schedule, uh, Chase Elliott mentioned uh, very simply, which I was kind of a little bit shocked to hear him say this, but he just mentioned quite simply that NASCAR should not go up against the NFL. And when you listen to that at first, I know there's a lot of fans and a lot of the local short track people that I know, they're, they're not big football fans, especially after all of the social justice protests of a couple of years ago. A lot of people were turned off to the NFL. Uh, I am not one of those people, so I tend to agree wholeheartedly with what Chase said. There is no reason to go up against the NFL. You're not going to win a ratings battle. Uh, the ratings are absolutely going to shrink when you go up against the NFL. There are historical reasons why the NFL is such a juggernaut ratings-wise. A regular Thursday night football game, which is the least watched uh, NFL football games, routinely destroys pretty much every other um, sport sporting event on TV. Um, you know, forget about the playoffs and Super Bowl and stuff like that. This stuff is just watched at an astronomical level. So, obviously, NASCAR is coming up for a new. Uh, TV deal coming up in 2025, and and that's where a lot of the revenue is going to come. Uh, the revenue does not come from ticket sales at the racetrack. There, there's some revenue there. Uh, it is not the bulk of the revenue. Most of the revenue for all of these sports are in the massive television deals that they ink. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense to go head-to-head with NASCAR in the fall. So kind of piggybacking off what Chase Elliott talked about, and he had mentioned, you know, we can run 36 races. We just don't need to run 36 weeks. The NASCAR schedule from February through November is a really, really long schedule. And it's kind of unprecedented in professional sports. They don't get a whole lot of time off. The MLB season is probably the closest thing. They start early April and go through October. Uh, that, that means they have two full months off um, more than NASCAR does. And NASCAR goes uh, three or four weeks after the World Series concludes in the first week of, of, of November. So it definitely would seem to me that, that Chase Elliott's correct in this. And there's two factors. One, it's just a grind on all the crews, uh, and it, it causes burnout in the crew members. It's tremendous, tremendous cost to the teams. And Chase actually mentioned uh, having the possibility of multiple races in a week. I don't think it's that big of a deal, especially with this new car. 
Uh, why could you not run Richmond on a Saturday and Charlotte on a Wednesday or, or something like that? Uh, why couldn't they do what they were doing at Pocono a couple of years ago and run a race, you know, run two races at one track in one weekend, run a Saturday race and run a Sunday race and and make it, uh, you know, sort of a test of endurance where you have to run the same car, stuff like that. Uh, there's definitely ideas. You can still run 36 races. There's no reason to run it over a 36-week period. I know they have a couple of weeks off in there, but they're, even the week off, weeks off are getting fewer and far between. Chase also talked about the fact that the races are run uh, during the day in the summer. And he said, you know, we're we're kind of conditioned for it. We're athletes. We're, we're getting paid a lot of money to do it. But the average everyday fan that's paying dollars to to buy a ticket is sitting out there just absolutely roasting in the heat in some of these warm weather. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's a warm weather climate, whether it's in New Jersey in August or, or July or it's in Georgia in August or July. I know it's different kind of heat, but it's still really hot and really uncomfortable and just not fun to be out there roasting. Uh, so he was advocating for some more night races, which, again, I think would would probably help as well. The other thing, and this is kind of what I, I thought of, and I don't know if he mentioned this in his interview or not, NASCAR runs their playoffs directly in conjunction with the NFL season. Almost exactly. I mean, it really doesn't make any sense to do that. I mean, again, if you look at the sports calendar, and this is just, I'm not, I'm going to cut out all of the fringe things. Like I, I know some people, my brother and both of his buddies are into the PGA tour. I'm not even counting that in terms of a rating thing. Rating wise, nobody watches that compared to, uh, to your regular stick and ball sports. So when you're looking at it, once the Super Bowl ends in early February, NASCAR is pretty much going to own Sundays, with the exception of, of a couple of events. Uh, you're, you're pretty much going to own it. And they start off in, with the California race now, that L.A. Coliseum race, and then they go to Daytona, uh, which I'm sure that's not something the teams really like, having to drive across country, then all the way back to run Daytona. I think they liked getting settled in for the for speed weeks, but that's here nor there. NASCAR is going to do what they're going to do. Uh, but what happens is, you know, they own Sundays pretty much all the way through Labor Day. The NHL is, again, unpopular opinion, a niche sport. Some people like it. It's it's does not get giant ratings in America. The NBA, popular in certain demographics, also a niche sport, um, very popular overseas, not as popular here. So they're not going to challenge NASCAR. NASCAR fans are not necessarily watching the NBA. So if there's an NBA game on a Sunday, you know, they can flip back and forth between that and a race. Uh, NFL fans do cross over to NASCAR fans. Uh, college football fans in the South cross over to NASCAR fans. So it matters. If you're going to run a NASCAR race on a Saturday night uh, up against an Oklahoma, I'm sorry, an Alabama LSU game, you're going to lose in the ratings because people in the Southeast, which is where NASCAR thrives, they are going to be watching the college football game. Uh, those people also race a lot. They're going to be at the racetrack on Saturday night where local short track racing is massive in the Southeast. So you're going to lose ratings when we all get that. So as you take a look, what they really should do is NASCAR playoffs should be starting on Labor Day, Labor Day weekend. You can run from February, all of February, all of March, April, May, June, July. If you don't know who the 16 best drivers are by that point, you got bigger problems. Somebody might squeak in the last week. They'll just squeak in the last week earlier. So I know that they usually like, oh, we're going to start our playoffs in September. It's also utterly ridiculous that the playoffs are 10 weeks long. In no professional sport are the playoffs 10 weeks long. Maximum three weeks. And now that baseball's expanded their playoffs, they're still not even close to going over their four-week mark. 
There is no reason why you can't have your 16 drivers in the playoffs. One race, cut the bottom four, you're down to 12. Second race, cut the next four, you're down to eight. Third race, cut down to the final four. Boom, championship the next week. Uh, I've again, I'm not once net once NFL comes back on, I punch out a NASCAR. I don't watch it a lot anyway, but I punch out completely. I, I will not watch one lap while there's an NFL game on. Uh, it's just there's no reason for me to. So, uh, I, I can't, I'm, not, I'm probably not the best uh example of this, but and I'm sure there's some people that watch every lap religiously. I get that, but for the most part, uh, I'm punching out as soon as the NFL gets there, and like many people are because their ratings and the ratings show that the NASCAR takes a big dip. Why would you take a big dip during the playoffs? It makes no sense. Uh, I think the intrigue and the uh, the drama of you have one race to prove it, just like in every other sport. When you get in the playoffs, you have one round of playoffs, you know, playoff series, or in some sports, one game to prove it, and then you're out if you lose. So I think the drama would be much better, and you wouldn't have just you know constant over and over and over again a playoff, playoff, playoff. I think it's three races per round. It's just it's ridiculous, and they're not even finished until I think mid mid November, which is crazy. So they have got to wrap things up by the end of September. I think it would cut costs for the team. It would help them uh, remain relevant. I think if someone like me who's a fringe fan knew that there was only four weeks left. Am I, you know, in, in you know, the first four, okay, I'm going to split the first four weeks of the NFL season with NASCAR and then NASCAR is going to be done and I can focus on, on football. So that's part of it. So Chase Elliott mentioned it as a ratings thing, but I also think it can be a, a money saver for the, for the teams. Well, the big talk now is the, these teams just not making money. Jeff Gordon came out the other, uh, a couple weeks ago and said that uh, Hendrick Motorsports is not making money. And my brother does not believe that. He's like, there's no way. But it is possible that um, they're not, you know, as profitable as everybody thinks because, you know, winning races doesn't always translate into making a lot of money. And I think that kind of moves us naturally into our second topic, which is the charter system. The charter system in NASCAR, just to give everybody a little bit of, uh, of history on it. The issue with owning a NASCAR team was that just say Mike Bolello owned a NASCAR team and I decided after 15 years of being a, a car owner, I wanted to to sell out or I wanted to no longer want to be a part of the sport. Maybe my driver retired, my driver left, I lost my sponsor. I wouldn't really be able to get anything out of my time as an owner. And I've spent tens of millions of dollars at this point to try to be have a competitive race team, but I don't have anything to show for it. So in very rare cases, people have sold entire race teams back in the day. The one example that comes to my mind was uh, the tragic death of Alan Kowicki. Uh, His whole team was sold to Jeff Bodine. And that was, again, a very, very unique situation because he had passed away. He had won the championship the year before in 92, uh, 92, 93, one of the two. I I think it's 92. He won the championship. Uh, he passed away uh, in a plane crash the next year. Um, his family had the team, and it was just, we're going to sell this entire team, the team, the shop, the rigs, the cars, everything. Jeff Bodine was, was, in the, was kind of looking to buy a team. He went in, purchased the whole thing. He's running the number seven car. He didn't change the number or anything. That was the exception, not the rule. Okay, The rule is, if you're getting out of racing – you would normally lose your lose your hat, okay? Lose everything. 
because you would probably have to auction, not probably, definitely, you would just auction everything off. So maybe your rigs, you'd be able to get pretty decent money for if they were newer and they weren't you know, used five times over, you'd get some money for that. Yeah, you can get money for engines, but at the end of the season, your engines are all tired. You're not going to get as, as much money for that. Uh, get back in the day, people actually built their own engines. Now people might be on an engine program. They might even not even have engines to sell if they're leasing engines from somebody. And then you could sell your stock, your race car. So uh, you may have two or three really good cars. Uh, maybe there's some cars that are wrecked. Maybe some, you know, anyone, anyone who's listening to this podcast has built a race car. Uh, and you know that if you're building a race car brand new, uh, you're lucky to get, you know, 40, 50, 60 cents in the dollar when you go to sell it. And uh, that's what happens with a lot of these teams. They're building brand new cars and they're they're selling them for pennies in the dollar. So if I invested fifteen million, I might walk away with you know a couple million dollars. And and meanwhile, I'm losing my shirt because uh, I decided to get out of racing. So that's not good. So uh, again, NASCAR is is trying to to emulate all of the good things about the NFL. And I think they are on the right track with some things and not on others. So the charter system is the biggest thing that they're on track with. And let me explain. Uh, the reason why the NFL is the juggernaut that it is and it, it is most successful um, sporting league around is because from its beginnings in the 50s and 60s, the owners got together and they agreed that the league was more important than any one team. So the the big market teams like the Giants, uh, the Chicago Bears at the time, later on the Dallas Cowboys would come in. Uh, they all make the same amount of money from the television deal. They all get the same amount of money from the television deal. They split ticket revenues. The Green Bay Packers, which do not even have an owner, they are owned by the people of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, they, you can actually buy stock in, in the Packers. Uh, they get the same amount of money every year from the television deal and ticket sales as the New York Giants do in the largest market in the world. So, why that's good, if you're, not if you're a Giants fan, because you guys have been bad for pretty long, you're a little better this year, but um, it, what it does, it creates competitive balance. And a team in tiny little Green Bay, Wisconsin, can compete with the Dallas Cowboys or the Los Angeles Rams or the New York Giants. Uh, that's what NASCAR needs to do. Uh, what I and So what they did was, they said, okay, we're going to, to stop that guy from losing his shirt when he gets out of NASCAR, we're going to sell a charter. A charter is pretty much a franchise. So it's a guaranteed start in every race, something you can go to your sponsor with and say, hey, we're not going to be like Michael Waltrip Racing at the Daytona 500 when they first started. I don't know what year this was. Michael Waltrip Racing, uh, they had a three-car team. They had the Aaron's car. I don't even know. I think David Rudiman may have been driving it. They had Michael Waltrip in the Napa car, and they had um, uh, Dale Jarrett in the UPS car. And they went to Daytona their first year, and they didn't make it. All three cars did, failed to qualify. So you saw the picture of all their rigs pulling out. And and then you have, okay, three major sponsors, and Michael Waltrip is shitting a brick because none of his teams made the race. And that, I think, was the turning point where people are like, all right, if we're going to take $20 million from a sponsor, we need to make sure they're on TV on every single Sunday. So now, you're first of all, you can take it to the sponsors and sell sponsorship. The other thing is now – you have something you can sell. So I believe the charters were, I don't know, a million bucks probably when they first started, somewhere around there. Uh, Dale Jr. recently uh, said on his podcast that now uh, a charter is upwards of 28 to $30 million to buy one. So now if Mike Bolello has a charter and has something to sell and I decide I want to leave the sport, I'm going to make some money. 
It's going to be like selling an NFL franchise, not to the same extent. You're not going to get billions of dollars for a NASCAR charter, but you're going to get 20, you know, you say you get $28 million, you sell your charter. And the next thing you know, you're walking away. Maybe you sell all your cars and your charter. Maybe you make it a deal. You got to buy all my stuff, all my rigs, all my cars, and you get my charter. At least then when you decide you want to walk out, you can walk out. Um, and that's something that I think, you know, could, could happen. I mean, again, unfortunately, long gone are the days of, you know, people just building a cup car and showing up at a track. Tony Nappy told me a great story about how he would travel down. He had traveled down to Richmond with with Doug French, and they pretty much just had a car. They they had a cup car, and they went down there, and, hey, listen, you paid your money, and you got in, and you're qualifying for a cup race, you know, and it's uh, sometimes you made it, sometimes you didn't make it, and obviously you would go down there. If you're the last guy to qualify, you probably don't have a chance to win, but you're, you're in a cup race. So those days are long gone. That's not happening anymore <laughs> for several reasons, but – so the charter thing is not a bad thing. But what happens is now you give that person something that they actually can can sell when they're done racing. Uh, I don't know the, 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 the perfect answer. You know, maybe Hendrick Motorsports, you know, doesn't get four charters. Maybe they put a limit and they say, you know, you can only own two charters. And that way you bring new owners into the into the sport. Now, this is what they're trying to do with the new car. Uh, Justin Marks and Trackhouse pretty much jumped in with the new car. Had the new car not uh, come in again, he was on uh, Junior's podcast as well and said, you know, we knew that if if we could not, uh, this new car wasn't coming, we would not be in cup right now because we just couldn't afford all the engineering and, and all the things it would take to make the old car go. Now, listen, there's flaws with the new car. We know that, okay? The car is built too rigid. Uh, again, another reason they don't want to have, they used to have throwaway cars. You know, you make the car, so the driver doesn't get hurt, but the car gets destroyed and you're cutting chassis up all the time. And again, they, they didn't want that. Now they're going to have to figure something out because they're, they're hurting drivers, uh, left and right here. Uh, they probably ended Kurt Busch's career. I know he said he's, he's not going to go full time cup racing, but that is just because of this concussion. Uh, I understand they brought a new driver in a year early, but I think if Kurt Busch was healthy, he would, he would be in the chase and I think he'd be, uh, he'd be running well and they would have to figure something else out. They wouldn't just, just kick him to the curb. But I think that, you know, now that he's injured, I think it makes you look at things a little differently. And, uh, now, you know, may have ended his career, the, this new car. Alex Bowman's still out. So, uh, you know, that's something that, um, you know, you can, you take a look at it and, and you kind of see that. So that, you know, the car notwithstanding, you know, someone like, uh, like Justin and, and Trackhouse get in and, uh, they have a legit shot at, at, uh, at winning races each and every week. And, and that's something that's pretty cool. If you can get more people like him in the sport, maybe some international car owners, and that would be pretty cool. Um, international drivers are fine. You, you can have that, which is great. Um, the other thing is that, and this comes, again, from, from a lot of the early meetings with NASCAR, they need to figure out a way to make the sponsors less important. I know that sounds bad. Right now, about 60% <coughs> excuse me, of a team's revenue comes from sponsors. So their operating budget is coming from sponsors. That number cannot be 60% because you're so reliant on a sponsor. What happens is that if you lose your sponsor, then it doesn't matter if you have a charter, your whole race team, you know, goes to shit. And, and that has happened a lot. I mean, just look at what's ha- what happened with, with, uh, with Joe Gibbs racing. Uh, they lost their, their best guy, their standard bearer, their, you know, a guy who wanted to finish his career with, with their team. Cause they, the, the their sponsor of, uh, I don't know, M&Ms has been in, in the, Cup, cup series forever. As long as I can remember, uh, they're just gone. They're out. You know, if you're asking for $20 million a year for a sponsor, uh, some, some companies just look at it and it's, it's not feasible. It's just, it's not, um, especially in this economy, it's just not worth it. So 
Uh, what they really need to do is very similar to what the NFL did. You have the charter system, which is great. 36 teams all get in the race. Great. They need to do away with a winner's purse, second place purse, third place purse. They need to pay every team the same amount of money every week to participate in the race. And I know some people are going to say, oh, but there's not going to be motivation to win. Uh, those people have never strapped in a race car. Okay. What makes a guy at Wall Stadium build a $50,000 modified and race for 1100 bucks, 1200 bucks, whatever they're racing for, right? It's not the money. I've never seen a modified uh, driver or owner after the race say, oh, gee, we can come next week because we won the 1100 this week. That's not the way this works. These are people that have the money to do it. They're racing for the trophy, they're racing for the glory of the victory. So, it, what the goal needs to be, and I know this is very anti-establishment uh, in terms of when it comes to racing, is Hendrick Motorsports needs to get the same exact purse as Front Row Motorsports every week. And if that happens, uh, you're going to see a larger cut of the pie go to the race teams. They'll be able to rely less on sponsorship. It needs to be flipped. They need to only rely on 35 to 40% of sponsorship. So they can go to a sponsor and say, hey, M&M's. You didn't want to be in for 20 million. You want to jump back in for 8 million and M&M's would be back in the sport again. And you'd get a lot of other businesses in the sport for that amount of money, which I think is something that needs to happen uh, in order to grow the sport. So if, if, if the money doesn't make a difference and you're racing for the glory and you're racing for the win, uh, you're going to be able to have something else that really matters to short track racers. You're going to be able to get the best 36 cars, I'm sorry, best 36 drivers on the track every week. The universal problem with racing is you can buy your way into it, okay? Uh, if I had $10 million tomorrow, I could not go to a Major League Baseball team and say, <clears throat> I want Ryan Bolello to pitch for you on Thursday night. Here's $10 million. Because he would get rocked because he's not a Major League Baseball pitcher, okay? Um, and nor would they take the money. In NASCAR, if I walked in with $10 million next year, he could be in one of the top three series. If I brought $10 million, they'd be like, okay, here you go. All right, you got yourself a car. He may be great. He may stink, but he's going to be out there every week because I just paid and bought and paid for his seat. So that's the biggest thing we have to stop because, and again, at a local short track on a Saturday night, nobody cares that a rich guy's out there stinking up the field. Who cares? He's running 15th. Nobody cares. But when you're advertising, marketing yourself, as the premier series in NASCAR, and you're supposed to have the 36 or 40 best drivers in the world, and you clearly don't. And there's been a lot of cases where, you know, dad comes in, he writes a check, and Junior's in a seat, and, you know, he's not that good, and you can tell, and everybody knows, and and it's just, or, or a really good driver gets pushed out of the seat, a la Carl Edwards, just in the prime of his career. Here, take some money and go away. We're putting somebody else in your seat. That gets to be uh, crazy. And and I think that there's a lot of people that look at it and they they feel like that's not a legitimate part or it makes the sport illegitimate as, as a top tier sport. So revenue sharing, absolutely imperative. Charter system, great idea. Uh, shorter season would really help NASCAR get those playoffs done by September, uh, 100% uh, for sure. So this is one of those episodes. Uh, I'd love to hear your feedback on. Uh, I'm posting this up on Facebook. 
Uh, I'm not really a TikTok person. Uh, I do have some Instagram uh, stuff. So, you know, again, I, I'm happy. I got great feedback on the show so far. But if you have, uh, you know, comment, anything like that, you know, leave it on, on, on below the, below the, uh, the post when I post this up and, uh, and let me know what you think. That's what I'm, I'm looking for. I'm looking for to have a conversation with people, which is pretty cool. So, uh, again, Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode, a very rare step away from the local short track scene into the NASCAR world. Just a couple things I think could work uh, much better. Uh, Hopefully everybody enjoyed it. Uh, My name is Mike Bellello. This is Jersey Shore Racing Scene, and see you next week.